0: The following program is filled with life-sustaining information for being a good human being. It's also full of shaming for bad humans. Sprinkle in an abundance of lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and the rest of the Lucky Charms alphabet, and you have the GayBC Happy Hour, hosted by a couple of fabulous unicorns who just can't help themselves from farting glitter wherever they go. Ladies and gentlemen, and those with pronouns I'm still learning about. Here are your by coastal friends, Richie Roy and Johnny Mack. Hello, hello. Welcome, everyone.
1: Hello. Uh, hope you're having a lovely day and evening so far. How are things on the West Coast, Johnny?
2: They are just as fine as I know that they are on the East Coast. And we also... <laughs> I'll uh, welcome in another guest co-host with us on this edition of the program. Hopefully we can hear him. We didn't get a chance to do a line check before the show, uh, but he is in the sandy dunes of the Valley of the Sun in Arizona. And let's welcome back to the GBC Happy Hour, Blake Oliver. Hello. Hello. We hear Thanks you. Thanks
3: me. <laughs> yes. From the depths of hell.
2: From the depths of hell. You. Can you get closer to your mic?
3: Is that better? Yes. <laughs> Perfect.
1: Okay. We want to make sure that we have the best audio possible for our listeners this evening and uh, and those who listen to this as a podcast, um, since this show is both live and also lives in perpetuity On and, as a podcast.
2: Yeah we have a really great program and i know that we say that every week but we do have a really Mm -hmm. great program i think lined up for folks today so let me just take you through a quick tour of what we're going to do on the show of course we'll wrap up like we always do with uh, our favorite recommendations and tonight it's a very special one Um, we're actually going to bring back our original co-host and still correspondent chick maxson is going to join us at the bottom of our second hour and that's not to say anything about what position he might be in. And <clears throat> we're going to talk about cock-flavored potato chips. That's right. You heard me right. We're going to talk about something that is made over in the Ukraine and Lithuania or somewhere in between, and that they market as being a dick-flavored potato chip. They supposedly also have pussy-flavored ones, but we weren't willing to try that flavor on on this show anyway. So we'll get to that later on. We'll also have of course Richie in the the bar uh, tending bar tonight and making uh, red cocktails uh, in light of the fact that we've entered into Halloween month. So you know, bloody gory kind of things that taste good uh, are going to be part of the mix for the next few weeks. And tonight we're also going to talk about helping Our friends and family members, getting them out of the ditch, so to speak, when you think about all the economic forces that are at work and the issues with jobs and, you know, with all the stress and anxiety that's going on in our world today and things that happen in personal relationships and so on, it doesn't take a lot to get somebody thrown off their path. And we want to help people figure out how to get back on the path to happiness and success. And so we'll be talking about that in our second hour. But uh, in this hour, we're going to get started off exactly where we should. Because it has been one hell of a shit show in the nation's capital the past week or so. I mean, for let's be honest, for the last eight years. But really, this last week has has risen to new levels. I don't recall that our history has ever before had a Speaker of the United States House of Representatives who's been thrown out by his own party. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was thrown out by his own
1: party. Um, It was, you know, in a way kind of uh, the writing was always on the wall. He was, you know, if, if we all recall, it took something like 15 procedural votes for him to get to be Speaker in the first place um and he made a lot of compromises along the way to get there and one of them was basically changing a rule that allowed for a vote like this to be called um and matt gates everyone's favorite Cretan. um <laughs> decided that this was the time. I think because uh, because McCarthy had struck a deal to extend the, the government for another 45 days and avert a shutdown that some of the hardcore folks in their caucus were clamoring for. I don't know why, because it, it wouldn't redound on their benefit, but whatever. Because
2: they've always gone to Washington with the idea that they're just going to tear the thing down to the ground yeah. and yeah. burn the government down yeah
1: um, so yeah, so the nihilists weren't happy, so they called a vote and um, and there was some there was some talk um you know, in certain circles that you know, that the Democrats should, you know should save McCarthy. um, but the Democrats were like, Um, wait, what? why? <laughs> and they let they let him hang out to dry as they should because he's he's he was never really someone who was a a good player himself he he kind of created the monster that ended up taking him down um and so you know it's now the the house is thrown into turmoil um there's going to be a bunch of people who are angling for this position and it's going to be a mess and it's going to be kind of a a house that's not functional for you know several weeks, at the, you know at the earliest.
2: And if you want to know how screwed up things are, the latest news today before Washington turned out the lights this evening is that it's Louisiana's Steve Scalise or Ohio's Jim Jordan, an enabler of child molesters. I mean, Disgusting. what what in the hell? What was that, Peter? Or... Disgusting. Yeah, and and it's just
1: <laughs> it's I mean, Scalise is also just like so loathsome. I mean Jordan Jordan is bad. Jordan obviously is is gross, but there's something about Steve Scalise's kind of like demeanor that he's so he's so aggressively bad. Jordan is like sort of like, I'm going to take my my suit jacket off and roll my sleeves up and I'm going to be serious. Um, But Scalise is just is just absolutely vile. I mean, Jordan is vile in his own way, too. But yeah, I mean, if that's the talk about whatever the opposite of Sophie's choice.
2: You look at the history of Louisiana lawmakers, both state and federal, and they're all a bunch of dirty, rotten scoundrels. I mean, really. Um, And I I think it's actually... um, uh, One of the things I wanted to ask, and it kind of breaks off of our topic for a moment, but um, because Blake Oliver has just recently moved from uh, Chicago to Phoenix, he's gone from a place where there's a lot of sensible people to a place where there's a lot of nonsense that's been going on. Fortunately, (laughs) it has gone from... Red to at the very least, deep purple in the last election cycles. But what's it feel like to be in that environment? Have you kind of felt the cultural sh- I know you felt the temperature shock, but have yes. you felt the cultural shock?
3: Yes, I have. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I kind of want to, it feels like a lot of people are detached from the real world and, um, it's kind of hard to have a conversation with them, you know, but I, ha- I have met people who are, um, do lean left a lot, you know? Yeah. Um, and they, they were like, you know, they hate Trump, whatever. Well,
2: obviously, uh, you know, with Arizona having gone for Joe Biden and, you know, putting yeah. somebody like, uh, uh, Mark, uh, why am I forgetting his last name at the moment? The new United States Senator, who is married to the congresswoman uh, that was shot down in Tucson uh, by that idiot in that, in that mall, uh, Gabby Giffords. Um, but, you know, it's nice to see things starting to go back the right way, but there is still a lot of fighting going on, and we have, you know, talking about these people who are Part of the problem in Washington D.C. right now with what's going on and and what is so much of a threat to our democracy, uh, you know, there's there is uh, uh, that clown from Arizona who's a congressman who is c- cuckoo for cocoa puffs. Uh, help me out here, Richie. Uh, we're talking about it, Paul Gosar, I think. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, no, the thing I was just kind of musing about, um, you know, talking about going from somewhere like Chicago to, you know, the the sort of the southwest is um, is one of the things that I think is is a big, big problem is places that don't have a kind of center of gravity, a, an urban center of gravity. You can really end up with people who are highly atomized, who are living in suburban places and whose primary interactions with humans is media And so when you're when you're when your take on the world is what you see on your Facebook feed and what you hear on Fox News, you have these beliefs that are unchecked by reality. And no one really like like when you live in a city or you live in a kind of like a dense population, you can have beliefs, but you're actually confronted with other people on a regular basis that show you other realities and have differences of opinions. And I just feel like there's this this way in which there are places that are kind of deeply red or even kind of purplish. But you have people who don't ever interact with other people who don't agree with them. And they just become this kind of echo chamber of fake news and fake reality. And they believe things. You know, when you talk with someone from places like that and you're like, oh, I live in, you know, I go to New York City often. They're like, oh, well, why would you? why would you go to New York City? I mean, it's so dangerous. And, you know, I I hope you don't go on the subway. And I'm like, yeah, I go on the subway all the time. That's how you get around in New York City. Like, well, because, you know, if you go on the subway, you'll just get murdered by a homeless person. And it's like, well, actually, seven million people a day ride the subway and that's not what happens to them. So like, well, you know, again, it's just this kind of like they get stuck in an echo chamber of of this news world that doesn't reflect reality
2: yeah you know and it's interesting i just heard on a news report yesterday or today they were talking about uh, apparently this one woman who had just moved out of new york and had moved to boston and thought that in moving there and having her child there that the child was going to be much safer in boston than in new york oh. and Ooh. and Apparently there was an unfortunate incident that involved the murder of another child in their neighborhood mm. uh, in the last few days. And and she's like, you know, my kids living right in the midst of this. I can't run away from this. She's like this is everywhere. And and that I think is something that a lot of people lose sight of is that you know, these incidences happen in a lot of different places and yes there have been major metropolitan markets where we have seen you know these mass killings that have happened you know the mass shootings but they've also happened in suburbia a lot and you know yeah so there yeah it happens in atlanta or in los angeles or you know um in salt lake city but it also happens you know uh, in the suburbs, like Littleton, Colorado, where one of the worst started, you know, or out in the boondocks in in Florida, in a community that was not, you know, Miami, or downtown Fort Lauderdale, um, it it's sad that this stuff does happen in those places. But fact of the matter is, is that more often than not, that stuff is going to happen in a small town than in a large metropolitan area where you would think, you know, well, when you figure it out on a on a per capita basis because mm-hmm. of how many people live there that, you know, that they have this horrific crime rate. Well, the crime rate might seem higher for a good reason in a New York City as opposed to Paducah, Kentucky. But the reality is, is that on a per capita basis, you're probably more likely to suffer in a in a smaller town like that a a horrendous crime. And so people take the hysteria that is made because of, you know, what happens in the media like you're talking about, and they just assume that, you know, this all is, you know, somewhere else not here. Right.
1: No, it's so true. Um and and you know, there it, it it's in a way it's kind of this I, I feel like it's all kind of tied into kind of um outsourcing problems. People wanna believe that the problems aren't at home. Yeah. Because that also goes to I mean, when you look at things like climate change, you know, people don't want to think about they're like, Oh wow, like look at New York, it got so flooded, the subways got so flooded, you know, too bad for them. Um, I'm fine where I'm at. Um Except that it's gl- literally global warming. It's yeah. global climate change, but people are just so insulated because they're, you know, they're not in a flood zone and they have air conditioning, yeah. and you know the electricity is cheap, maybe cheap where they're at for now, um, and yeah. So it's it's really about kind of not accepting hard realities and just sort of cocooning. Yeah. And I feel like that cocooning happens is much easier when you're living in split, you know, in a nice ranch-style ranch home, you know, or a split level um, in some suburban community where you never actually interact with other humans.
2: Right. I live in a community that's about 50,000 people, uh, the city that I actually live in. And it was one of the cities that got hit the hardest by the recent tropical storm that came through in that weird weather event that happened yep. starting down in Mexico uh, a few weeks ago. And, you know, you don't think that something like this is going to happen here. Yeah, it's going to get up to 120 for a few days this year. But you don't think that you're going to end up in the middle of hurricane-like conditions and have have your whole life turned upside down when there's, you know, a wall of eight feet of mud coming down the road at you. So, you know, these are things we're going to have to get these people in Washington DC to really focus on. And I think coming back to the fact that we're saying goodbye to Kevin McCarthy, it doesn't hurt my feelings one bit. But the problem is, is that they're so busy trying to tear the government apart, that party is, that they're not focusing on these things that are affecting everyday American people. And that's what we really need. We're going to continue with more of this and the fact that We're also saying goodbye to a longtime ally of the LGBTQ community. We're kind of happy to see her go because it was time, but there was a reason why she didn't go faster. Dianne Feinstein says, So long, world. I'm off to the next dimension. And we end up with our first black lesbian U.S. senator. That's coming Mm -hmm. up next. Richie Roy, Blake Oliver, Johnny Mack with you on the GBC Happy Hour.
0: GayBC.com. This is the happy hour with your hosts, Richie Roy and Johnny Mack, your source for conversation, current events, culture, and all things LGBTQ. Yes,
1: welcome back to the happy hour. Um, and uh, yeah, so we, we are saying goodbye to a very long standing member of the U S Senate, Diane Feinstein, uh, who has, you know, uh, a long history of being a stalwart, um, you know, Democrat, uh, you could, you know, I think over time was viewed as, uh, as a centrist. Um, but you know, who had views, uh, about the LGBTQ community that evolved over time. Uh, and I think, you know, as broadly, uh, a trailblazer for women, um, you know, and and uh, was someone who is very much held in high esteem. It was kind of uh, like you kind of alluded to, Johnny, um, a, her her kind of legend uh, or you know, her legacy was a little bit clouded at the end because she kind of h- held on to a seat long into a period when she was not in great health and was not perhaps, you know, in, in, uh, her full capacities.
2: Right. She was Um, dealing clearly with some dementia and, and that kind of thing. But I want to go back to her early days and serving the people in the city and county of San Francisco, because she was at city hall. She was a, um, uh, she was on the city council and uh, the board of supervisors for the city and county of San Francisco and uh, the mayor was George Moscone and one of the fellow supervisors was Harvey Milk and another one of the fellow supervisors was Dan White and she was mm-hmm. the first person on the scene the day that Dan White killed Harvey Milk, and George Moscone. And she, in fact, trying to stop him from bleeding and figure out if he was still alive, uh, ended up sticking her finger in a bullet hole in Harvey Milk. And that was when she realized that he was gone. And, um, and it's, even on to this day and I watched it a few days ago, um, it's really stunning to watch her coming out and addressing the public and the press and telling them that both of them uh, had lost their lives um, at City hall that day. And you know, she, as a result of that, was a stalwart advocate for LGBTQ equality. And, uh, that definitely, uh, propelled her into, uh, well, she became mayor after that. And I think she served a couple of terms there before going into the California state legislature and then on to, uh, our federal legislature. So I know a lot of people were very upset about the fact that she didn't uh, resign her seat earlier and certainly i think it would have been wise for her to have done that before before being elected the last time um but when people wanted her to step down recently because of her mental faculties um there was a good reason not to do that because of all the game playing that has happened at the hands of of uh, Arizona and West Virginia's senators who basically are turncoats on the Democrats um, that there wouldn't have been the votes to get another Democrat appointed to the Senate Judiciary Committee and the importance of that is that because we had the majority on that committee for you know, what would have been up to the election next next year in November um, that uh, Senator Feinstein, her vote was so critical, um, to getting judges appointed finally to the court, all the courts on the federal level. Uh, and that's why she didn't just step away from that. And so I think it was a, in thinking back about that, I think it was a good reason for her not to give up that, that seat until she unfortunately died last week.
1: You know, one of the things that you just mentioned and, and this is not I wasn't thinking I wasn't planning on talking about this but I think it's actually an interesting point. Uh perhaps <laughs> I, I hope it is. But um is you know, you mentioned Harvey Milk and I'm thinking about that this time period um you know, there was a a period where we had JFK, RFK, MLK, Harvey Milk. We had political assassinations that happened and that that was sort of a part I mean for a while that was kind of part of the American political reality and Mm -hmm. that was really like I think damaging in a lot of ways to the American political sort of and cultural psyche and we haven't had that so much for a while and I, what really stri- strikes me, though, is when I think about what's happening now with the with the rhetoric on the right, the kind of January sixth MAGA rhetoric, is it's the, it's in in many ways they're kind of calling for a return to that type of thinking, yep. that type of political thinking where the answer to a political question is extermination, and that's really shocking and dangerous and I hadn't really put it together like in that same way and maybe this isn't maybe I'm you know maybe I'm overthinking it or overdrawing some kind of cultural thing but I do feel that you know that the kind of vituperative language on the right about the left uh suggests that there's that they're not valid existing political humans and that seems really dangerous to me.
2: Yeah, we'll come back and we will move into another area as we continue. We didn't get an opportunity to talk about the fact that in Dianne Feinstein's passing, California Governor uh, Gavin Newsom did appoint the first black lesbian to the United States Senate. That's LaFonza Butler. We'll come back to that uh, in our next segment. But we're also going to talk about how the United States of America scored a C In the Queer Rights category on the Franklin and Marshall College Global Barometer Report scorecard, stay with us with Richie Roy and Blake Oliver. I'm Johnny Mack.
0: From GayBC.com. This is The Happy Hour, with your hosts, Richie Roy and Johnny Mac, your source for conversation, current events, culture, and all things LGBTQ. Yes, welcome, welcome back. And don't forget Um,
2: Blake Oliver, he's here this week too. Yes. Indeed. So
1: um, so we we are going to go into a, a segment about the United States scoring a C in queer rights on the global barometer. Before that, I do want to quickly say how psyched I am uh, about uh, our new senator, LaFonza Butler. Um, not only is she the first black lesbian, but also she's 44. She's my age. And, you know, we oh, talk she's a lot not about-
2: qualified then
1: well that's the th- Screw so this that. is the thing is that is like, you know, the we we t- the gerontocracy in the Senate is really real, and even if it's an interim appointment, having someone who's 44 as a senator is pretty rad. I'm all for it. So, um, you know, I I look for I look forward to see what what um uh, what LaFonza Butler has uh, up her sleeve. But um,
2: I, I think but, she sounds like she's part of the cast of Happy Days. <laughs>
1: well, you know, LaFons. she, well, she actually is, you know, she, she is of the moment because she, um, she has a, a, a strong background in union organizing and in community organizing through things like Angie's List. And I think SEIU, I think she was, she was in. Uh, a big part of. So this kind of union moment we're having, um, she kind of fits right in. So,
2: yeah, no, no, we should explain. She knows going into it that she's only there for a limited amount of time. She'll be there through January of 2025. When the election happens in November, 2024, Uh, Governor Newsom had said that he would not appoint any of the people who are running currently for that seat, uh, and we're going to be running ever since, you know, uh, it was, you know, that seat was coming up and Diane Feinstein was not going to be running again. And so, uh, there are three candidates currently running for that. And it's interesting for me to watch the race here in California. In fact, I met one of the, um, three candidates uh, at a forum here in my, um, the town that I live in, uh, few weekends ago, Barbara Lee, who is, uh, you know, an African American woman and has been a very important person in, uh, the United States house of representatives. She was the only person at the time who voted against the, um, uh, the bill that basically washed away everybody's rights, uh, for privacy after nine 11. Um, the, uh, Patriot Act. Patriot Act. Uh, She was the only person that voted against that at that time. And, you know, she has been a great ally to the LGBTQ community as well. And she would make a great United States Senator. But again, she's 77 years old right now. And, you know, Adam Schiff and, uh, uh, oh, goodness. We were just talking about her last night, and I, I'm trying to think of the other woman's name who's also in the United States House of Representatives. Uh, Katie Porter. Katie Porter, correct. And um, they both would make great uh, senators as well. They've been really strong advocates for the people. But we'll see what happens. But she, yeah, yeah she's and not going to be continuing on because well, that was well, one of the conditions.
1: Well, I read as of today that Gavin News... That, that They've kind of back walk, walked that back a little bit in terms of LaFonza Butler isn't necessarily precluded from throwing her hat in the ring.
2: Well, that's going to be a, a, a political problem then for Gavin because he wants to run for president and yeah. he's already gotten himself into some trouble with the people on his side over the fact that he's done a couple of dumb things with regards to um, green energy and uh, killing tax breaks that existed for people to um, take on uh, solar and, and so on. But especially when we, in the state of California, lead the not just the nation but the world in terms of um, alternative energy Uh, resources and and adoption into um, that technology so um, he's going to have to be careful on that front because that means that he put those other three candidates at a disadvantage by putting her into office and having said that he was not going to put somebody in who's going to be given an advantage by their being there as an incumbent
1: yeah yeah so we'll have to we'll have to take a look at that for well to keep an eye on that for sure I mean that said, I think Gavin Newsom has um has always had a huge gigantic target on his back from the right they are I mean they are if he if you know if he's running for president at any point um every single thing he's ever done is going to be grist for the mill because yeah. Um, you know, he's, he's one of those people that kind of gets under the skin of the right, kind of like a Hillary Clinton almost like where they just can't stand his existence.
2: He does not shy away from a fight though. And that's why last year, uh, and the year before in the midst of all the stuff we were going through with, um, you know, with shit that was going on in Texas and in Florida, the don't say gay stuff, the anti-trans stuff. Um, the uh, abortion-related issues, you know, and trying to make it illegal for anybody to travel outside of states and go and, and get uh, reproductive health services. He basically took a very head-first approach in going into those into those two states, into Texas and Florida, and buying advertising campaigns on billboards all over the state saying we welcome you in in california where we do respect women's rights you know to you know choose or respecting you know trans uh people and and their lives and so on and so forth so he's not shied away from any of that he likes to um tackle it head on and and he certainly uh has done that in his appearances with uh, some of the right-wing media outlets that he's appeared on.
1: Yeah. So um, to kind of pivot uh, to, you know, and actually some of this kind of factors into this, um, the United States recently scored a C in LGBTQ rights on the Franklin and Marshall Global Barometer Report scorecard, which is a downgrade. Uh, The U.S. previously was a B. And um, they have a number of different categories that they look into. Um, Anti-LGBTQ laws, political and cultural practices, LGBTQ rights advocacy, anti-discrimination protections, and violent persecution are the sort of categories that they look at.
2: You know, I'd love and, to I'd love to see people fill a big college football stadium that are progressives and just all start cheering all at once, we're not number one. We're not number <laughs> one. Well, and that and that's this is this is the actually the
1: interesting thing. Um is the countries that have been consistently A um on LGBTQ rights from since twenty eleven are Belgium, Canada, Denmark, England, Luxembourg, Norway, Scotland, Spain, Sweden, and Uruguay. So we've got a we've got an interesting grouping there. Um, it's not all Western Europe. Um, it's it's a mix. We've got our our neighbors to the north. Um, we've got uh, our some friends down in South America. But yeah, the US isn't doing so great. And you know, the, the kind of the, the gist of the article was given the timbre of anti trans laws and discussion and anti LGBTQ laws and all the stuff that's happening, that the US is headed towards an F.
2: Which well, is a that's where w- that's where we'll be if if we elect more of those ding dongs, yes, for sure.
3: Wait, I don't I don't want to be an F. I was I was mad about being average. How do we how do we go the other way?
1: Yeah, I mean it in that's a, I mean the way we go the other way is we elect Democrat Democrats um in the House and Senate and really something that we talk about in the show a lot, get liberal and democratic and just even just decent minded centrists to run for school board, to run for city council, to run for uh, local level, county level, state level office, um, because a lot of this is trickle up bigotry. We yeah. um, you know we see it, you know, you, you hear it in someone like a Lauren Boebert or, a, you know, a Gates or a, or a Gozar. Um, And they're just kind of mouthing off. And then what you see is at the local level, you see it kind of radicalized in action and made into action by by school boards that are banning books, that are getting teachers fired for being mindful of their LGBTQ students' rights. Right. Um, So it's kind of it's kind of uh, it's a full court press kind of thing. That's how we get away from, you know, failing. I don't I don't know i hope we see it in our lifetimes but i I feel like there's
3: so much push and pull from both sides like that i feel like we're gonna be out of sea for a long time i feel like kind of feels like we're gonna plateau here unless something really big changes because again i just feel like there's so much push and pull i don't know how do you feel
1: no i i i agree with you I i mean and it's not a good feeling to have you know, I I talked about this when I went to visit Toronto. Um, that the generals the general sensibility there was so tolerant, and so and tolerance felt so deeply built into the DNA. Not just tolerance about LGBTQ folks, but just tolerance generally and decency seemed really baked into the cultural DNA of the place. And I was like, oh, this is. Like, you know, and you hear from people who are on the left in Canada and they're like, oh, God, you know, our right wing is crazy. They're nuts. And the right wing there is basically like, yeah, we we agree that like there should be health care for all. There should be everyone should have like seven years of vacation, you know, per month. And, you know, it just like the, the, the way in which the right in Canada is so the hard left in the U.S. is wild.
2: Yeah. But, you know. I mean, you know, it's there, not as perfect as we'd like to think it is up there sure. either. You Because you, when you do talk to people, you will find that there are plenty of uh, ding-dongs uh, in our Neighbor to the north, but it certainly is much better, a much higher standard of equality, uh, universally than it is in the United States for sure.
1: Yeah, that's I mean, that's definitely true because you had I don't know if you recall the Fords, the Ford family in Canada, Rob Ford, and yes, um, I think his brother who were just kooks, um, you know, and and grifters and. And insane, yep. <laughs> or, you know, yep. right wingers, but um, yeah, and I get you know, th- yeah, it's not all it's not all roses for sure, and, um, but oh, just and the general our cultural own,
2: our own friend from the Twitter Spaces who passed earlier this year, um, who was himself a, a very uh, in your face activist uh, up in Toronto, um, Brian was somebody who, you know, was always fighting with somebody because there's somebody or bodies lots of bodies who were getting screwed because people didn't treat them with equal respect. And, you know, and it's good that they have a lot of people like that up there who are willing to be out on the front lines fighting for that and showing their own, you know, fellow citizens that, you know, it's... It, it is not, uh, you know, the cat's meow uh, in every way that sometimes people up there think that it is. Um, but it's certainly not as bad as we've had it here for sure.
1: Yeah, and and I think that I think that the people um, you know who are fighting like that in, in Canada, by and large, they are seeking progress right the difference is here what we're seeking is we are fighting against um a very strong current running in the opposite direction we're fighting to just keep to claw what we currently have and keep it like we're, we're trying to keep from going backward is what we're that's the difference is like right. we're not we're not affirmatively seeking progress at this point we're actually just like fighting for our lives to keep what we have.
2: Yep. We're going to continue with more of the GBC happy hour. So stay with us as we do continue. We're going to dip our toe back into domestic political nonsense, uh, because that big fat liar, that (laughs) one from New York, uh, we're going to get into the latest craziness with our friend George Santa. Stay with us. And by friend, (laughs) I mean idiot.
0: not always laughter and games on the GBC Happy Hour with Richie Roy and Johnny Mack, but when it is, you'll know when it's time to cut them off. Now, back to the beer pong. Uh, I mean show. Boys?
2: Hello, Don't you just kind of wonder if beer pong might be the uh, the thing that they're doing all day in George Santos's congressional office? <laughs>
1: Probably. So... I I mean I don't know what goes on in George Santos's congressional office, honestly. Um except a bunch of I feel like briefcases full of cash or something. Um so
2: I'm thinking George baiting. Santos What was that? I think it's a lot of baiting.
1: <laughs> Maybe so. But so for those of you who don't know, George Santos is um, is a particularly weird uh, representative. He is a gay, openly gay Republican from Long Island uh, who is uh, known for being beyond a pathological liar. He, there's nothing that he comes out of his mouth that is true. Um, and so th- th- that's why there's been a lot of kind of laughter and confusion um, this week because George Santos uh, in a tweet or an X or whatever you want to call it, a statement, an online statement via the uh, platform formerly known as Twitter, said that he was devastated and heartbroken. Uh, he and his husband – we were devastated and heartbroken at the death of Dianne Feinstein. And people were like, wait, what? Husband? Huh? You've never talked about a husband before. And um, so everyone was kind of laughing. At me Like, wait, are you like hard launching your husband on Dianne Feinstein's death day? That's pretty audacious. Well, there are pictures you- of him
2: with a husband, but you have to also remember... Up until the time that he was in the race, uh, you know, and when the election was uh, nearly happening, that he was elected in that cycle, that he had been married to a woman too. And- so, but this is this is where it. This is what where his lies are are
1: so are so completely constant because he you know he tweeted back after people were like basically roasting him for suddenly springing his husband on the world he was like i've 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 been married to him since 2021 and you know everyone knows it and people looked back and they were like well in 2021 you tweeted about a fiance but also if your timeline is correct you were married to him or while you were still married to your wife, like none of it actually adds up. He, it's like even even his current ostensible husband, and we don't even know if it's an actual husband or not, none of it adds up. He he can't help but lie even about maybe basically real things. Like maybe he is in a relationship right now. Maybe I, he is married. I but, think
2: he's a member but, of the it, Trump family because they have that problem with any time that their mouth is moving it's something not true coming out of it. Yeah.
3: yeah. Did you guys read the last sentence of that tweet?
2: No, what did it say?
3: Our condolences to the Feinstein family as they grieve this grave loss. I'm like, ooh, that was not... I, don't, I think grave
1: loss is kind of... I don't know. I was like, that's, that, was, that was low. The greatest grave loss.
2: Yeah,
1: I mean that's he's he's laying it on a little thick there. He's oh, not yeah. a
2: wordsmith by any means. No. And did he say grieve or grief?
1: He said grieve, grief. G R I E F. As we grieve? No. Okay. I mean, great. I, I mean, it gets it gets better and better. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, Santos is. Um, you know, again, for those who don't know, he is kind of like currently under all kinds of investigations i think his um his finance chair i think of his campaign recently um you know got i don't know if it was indicted or, or is is somehow getting tied up in the law
2: word has it um, that his boyfriend or fiance or spouse now yeah. uh, supposedly uh, the the thing he likes most about george is that Um, George has that trait of Pinocchio and apparently his nose grows a lot and he's able to use that to help assist his significant other with feeling good
1: (laughs) oh my god (laughs) that's funny yeah yeah no, I George Santos is is this his he's a shameless he's so shameless that um yeah, that he took the moment of Diane Feinstein's death to kind of create a moment about himself. And I think try to also make himself seem because everyone's like, get out of there like you're not like we don't want no one wants you and he's trying to kind of seem i guess like statesmanlike by making a like public statement you know about Diane Feinstein's death but it just rang so flat and so phony because he's a liar
2: <laughs> such a piece of work
1: i mean re- really uh it, it, you know like you said Um, kind of straight out of the Trumpian playbook of just, um, never say a true word because if you never speak a truth, you can never be caught in a lie because nothing you ever say is either true or is necessarily true.
2: As taught by the master, Roy Cohn. Of course.
1: Um, and you know, as we've, as we've seen too, um, you know, this week, uh, Maybe it's worked for a long time for Donald Trump, but, um, in court with the summary judgment motion or with the summary judgment determination and then, um, the judge with the gag order and, um,
2: you see now it may all be out the window for a while anyway, because there apparently is a stay, uh, motion. What, what is that? Well. The the, uh, Trump camp uh, hit the court today uh, saying that they're uh, filing tomorrow a a motion for a stay in the whole thing and they've got all these things that as many experts in the matter have said, yes, they're quoting laws from the uh, 18 and early 1900s and good luck with that uh, because there are other cases that that are newer precedent uh before the supreme court but you know it they said it could delay this thing even further
1: i mean that's his tactic is always yeah. is always distract and delay yeah but i don't think that this judge is going to i think this judge is going to dispatch with that pretty quickly
2: um i hope so i'm just i want them to dispatch with him with the news even being able to mention his name uh you know, on TV or radio or in the newspapers. Cause I just don't want to hear about him anymore. I know. I don't either. Talk about really world peace. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, let's, let's talk about, uh, anything else. Let's talk about the, um, I noticed that the, the uh, I believe the Nobel prize, I believe for literature was won by a Norwegian today. Um, which the Scandinavians, they love, they love their Scandinavian authors up there. Yeah. Um, And uh, it it continues a grand tradition of Nobel Prize for Literature being won by um, someone that no one has really ever heard of. Um,
2: I'm proud of my fellow (laughs) Norskis.
1: I still still remember there was the Nobel Prize for Literature went to someone named Tomas Transtromer, a number of years ago and i kept i would just think to myself transtromer more than meets the eye
4: oh my <laughs> god <laughs>
1: um and uh i still haven't read anything by transtromer but um i did think that uh, that did tickle me every time i heard his name um for those who don't know that is a reference to transformers uh, a cartoon from the 80s
2: well, we've got just a couple of moments here before we give our live audience a little news update. I did want to, uh, again, remind folks that we have a brand new website, and it is gbchappyhour.com. You can still get to us through the gbc.com website, where there's just going to be some other new programming coming fairly soon, including a new show called Torque, which is going to be for car lovers. Um, and we'll tell you more about that in the weeks ahead. But but gbc happy hour that's where you can not only find our past episodes of shows and information each week about who's on or what we're talking about on each program it is also where you will um, be able to find a link to our new store with cafe press if you'd like to get yourself some some fine gbc happy hour merch and uh Show your pride for this show. We'd, we'd love it if you uh, went and got everybody on your Christmas list or your Hanukkah list, uh, their holiday gifts there. They probably won't have any idea what the hell a Some <laughs> Happy Hour is. But it doesn't matter because they can be the first on their block to actually have it and promote us. And that's what matters. So just tell your best-looking boys and girls... Men and women who are on your shopping list, that you're giving it to them with the expectation that they're going to go to LGBTQ bars and restaurants and shops and wear it around so that they can promote this program that you all love so much. In the hour ahead, we have a lot to talk about, including getting you out of the ditch and cock flavored potato chips. Stay with us <laughs> with Blake Oliver and Richie Roy and Johnny May.
0: I bet you didn't know professional shows could use the F word. Well, it depends on which ones you're talking about. On the Gay B.C. Happy Hour, we roll with the times. For instance, Johnny loves fantastic, far out, and even an occasional fuck. Richie, he's okay with fella, fuddy-duddy, and occasionally fist, depending on what you do with it. But they both draw the line at fag, because in fact, God does love fags, and Fred Phelps found out when he got to hell. Here are your F-bombs, Richie Roy and Johnny Mac. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. Um,
1: and uh, we are having a good happy hour so far. And I'm excited about this next topic. This is one that was suggested by Johnny Mac, and I think huh? it's a good one. No.
2: No. No, I don't have any problems. I don't. Have, I don't know anybody who has any problems ever. <laughs> Not never. Actually, this is something that has been kind of growing, and something that we've been talking about amongst ourselves for quite a while. Because, um, as you, many of you know, this was uh, outgrowth of our enjoyment of spending a lot of time with a lot of people who we really didn't know that well, just became acquaintances with online through the Twitter spaces. And people, as you get to know them and they feel more and more comfortable sharing things about what's going on in their lives, uh, started talking about things that really were pretty mind-blowing, and it's not that we don't have friends or family members who go through this kind of stuff all the time, uh, as it is, but we really, I think, started to notice, Richie, that that there were a lot of our friends in the LGBTQ community who were facing some really monumental stuff that was holding them back from actually being able to to live and experience, uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness.
1: Yeah, it's true. And, and I think, um, I think one of the things that, that is most, um, that, that was, that's kind of most interesting about it and, and troubling in a way too, um, is that it cuts across, um, demographics, it cuts across age groups and basically, I, what our conversations on on spaces and even conversations that I've had, you know, with friends, um, you know, in the real world, um, is there are a lot of a lot of folks who are kind of economically on the margins. Um, they're struggling to make it work um, and to. Kind of find housing that makes sense to find jobs that make sense um, to find jobs at all um, to thrive um, and so this kind of generalized failure to thrive and it's it's not you know it's not like there's for it's not for lack of trying is that there are there's a lot of folks out there who are really interested in trying to succeed in life and are finding it difficult to do so. And uh, that's, that's the thing that's alarming, you know, because when you talk about, you know, economics generally, when we talk about, you know, we talk about things like the unemployment rate, we talk about inflation, you know, these kind of macroeconomic quantitative things um, and where they're at. But qualitatively, there's a sort of different story happening, I think, mm-hmm. because you know I know people who you know I who you know I'm in my mid now forties, um, and I have friends who are you know in my age cohort who are still kind of struggling to figure out you know what it, what it means to make money and what it means to be kind of uh sort of s- situated. You know in terms of housing in terms of geography in terms of uh raising a family or not raising a family and just like all the things are up in the air it's not there's no clear path that like a clear easy path towards just living a life and kind of you know upwardly mobile economic stability it's very unstable um and especially for people who are younger than, than, than my age cohort, it's increasingly atomized and increasingly confusing. So, yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, I, there's, there have been so many people we've talked to in Twitter spaces that have talked about this. And, you know, I actually, it, uh, this is a call in show. If you have any thoughts on this topic, if you're kind of like struggling with, this question yourself or have in the past. Um our number is 760 But yeah, um give us a call and uh let's talk about um you know kind of what it means on the ground to live in this economy that we currently live in.
2: And to kind of keep it on the LGBTQ side uh of the equation and, and it doesn't have to be that if you call in and want to talk about these things uh, and the struggles and how you're uh, working through that, um, it, it does not have to be th- that kind of situation. But just in the last year, we've dealt with friends who are dealing with coming out to family members. We've dealt with friends who are uh, in same-gender relationships that were married legally, and that those marriages are coming to a conclusion and have had to deal with all sorts of, of crazy stuff that, you know, people deal with when they're going through the dissolution of of a marriage. And, you know, people who, you know, act out of spite and just make it be as difficult as can be, people who have disputes over ownership of property and that leads to you know people doing things that, that can be um, grossly wrong. I mean mm-hmm. other situations where where people who um, find themselves in a tight situation suddenly and end up borrowing money from friends or family members uh, and, and who feel like they have to say or do anything to get that help because they don't know where to turn next and you know, sometimes they don't, you know, keep keep their word or and sometimes they're also not able to, um, you know, to keep a word even if they wanted to. Um, so there's all kinds of different scenarios that have, you know, played out with uh, with folks. And I th- I think that, you know, another thing that has made this even tougher is the fact that we all went through this pandemic together for uh, what, two and a half, three years and we were disconnected from having that social interaction outside of the virtual world and and you know, and it, it gets hard when you're in that situation uh, because people want to show you that they're not necessarily in the bad straits that they might be or that you know, they're too afraid to let somebody realize how much they're hurting until it's almost too late. And we want to be able to be there and talk through these kinds of situations with folks who are experiencing these hardships and hopefully bring them back to feeling like, you know, I can get a plan together. I can put my life on a track that, you know, gets me to, you know, finding a job if that's what I'm looking for. Or being able to get out of a abusive situation or being able to um, get into a new home. Uh, you know, a lot of us uh, take for granted the fact that, um, like I do, I take for granted the fact that, you know, I, I was out on my own at a very early age. And, you know, I looked forward to that. But there are some people, because of, you know, the circumstances that they face in life, uh, maybe they're going to, you know, um, post-secondary school and they don't live on campus but they live at home with family and they're dealing with the fact that they're having to come out or something like that and and all these other problems kind of bubble to the surface because they're continuing to live with people that you know at the core they love but maybe some of those people don't love everything that they're finding out about about their loved one uh, in in their adulthood, and so there's also you know, there's I
1: mean, I'm sorry, go ahead. but there's also there's also, I mean, I think one of the things is, um there's extreme right now, there's extreme economic distortions happening mm-hmm. specifically with the housing market because you have the flooding of the housing market with private equity, buying up housing, and using it as a as a money generating thing. and you have. Rents, um, you know, let's even set aside home ownership, but rents are going astronomical. And it's not just in New York and San Francisco and L.A. It's in every everywhere. Rents are nuts because there's not that much inventory and the inventory is getting snapped up by investors. And they are jacking up the prices and there's no, in most places, apart from, you know, maybe New York and uh, maybe a couple other places, rent control doesn't really exist. And so there, you know, w- everyone has, you know, has stories, you know, I, I was living in, in Echo Park in New York for, and we had a two bedroom, two bath, you know, unit in a beautiful craftsman house for $1,200 a month, Wow, you know? and and now that would be probably $7,000 right. and um you know uh, the the wages have not increased at all in, you know sort of uh, to that you know they don't they, they are not tracking the, the the increases in housing prices and so you have people who even if you have a good job a good basic entry level job you're not you're struggling to find housing that you can even apply for let alone get. and everyone is is clamoring to get the same units. And so when you talk about kind of failure to thrive kind of situations, it's 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 not for lack of trying. It's actually that a lot of the fundamental structures, you know, basic things, housing, um, you know, even cars, it's it's hard right now. Uh, you know, with the with the supply chain stuff that happened because of COVID, used cars are extremely expensive right now. Yeah, um, in a way that they didn't used to be.
2: Blake and um, I the other day were um, you know, this kind of ties back together with something else that we were talking about earlier. Um, we were watching some videos of Katie Porter in the House of Representatives uh, on a um, on a congressional committee where there were um, various people who were testifying before it. And one of those people was the CEO, uh, the CEO from Wells Fargo Bank. And basically she was putting him on the spot to talk about the um, poverty level that they pay wages to people who are tellers at their bank and asking him if he had an idea. And I've seen her do several of these where – you know, they confront them with the wages and the benefits that they give or don't give to these people and then expect them to come to work and then, you know, basically put the score scorecard up to determine what is uh, a reasonable budget for a person who's raising a child, you know, to be able to live on. And and you see it and you're like, you know, and, and all these businesses complain about the rising of minimum wage. In California this next year, after January, people who work in the fast food industry are going to be required by law, because of a bill that Governor Gavin Newsom signed uh, not that long ago, uh, they're going to be required to spend a minimum of $20 an hour for minimum wage for people who work at McDonald's. And I'm all for that, because those places have been for years making millions of dollars in profit. And not reinvesting that in their workforce,
1: yeah, but the but the problem is that, that 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 isn't like that is a great that's fantastic. The problem though is the kind of the those those are very good jobs. I mean, those are very good entry level jobs, and they should pay appropriately. However, the jobs that are kind of the traditional kind of engines to- on on the ladder towards um, economic development. Those jobs are ceasing to exist because of automation and AI and because of um, concentration of, um, you know, basically, you know, use of interns. I mean, there are so many different ways in which the kind of traditional model of, you know, you start at the bottom and you're work, you work your way up, that's not a reality anymore.
2: Yeah, certainly not have is in my industry. Almost,
1: you almost have a sort of um you know a a kind of career or a job gerontocracy where you have a couple old people at the top um who have very good paying jobs and then what they're overseeing is a bunch of ai a bunch of interns and so, a, a couple low level people that are taking uh, uh, that are taking care of the work that a lot of junior people used to do and make wages
2: on yeah I mean there's definitely that there's also I mean you can flip the scales too, and and in terms of the generational stuff and who's getting what jobs but I mean the big thing is is that jobs pure and simply are just going away without a plan for how people are gonna survive in an age of automation
1: yeah, I mean, I, and I, the thing I'm surprised about is – because I remember a few years ago, um, and, you know, he was he was a, a pretty silly uh, person, but Andrew Yang – you know, remember when Andrew Yang yeah, was
2: a thing? He was the presidential candidate who was promoting the idea of a universal basic income.
1: Yes, and he and, – and the thing I'm surprised is – I'm surprised at, especially given the AI has been so rampant recently – is that no one's talking about universal basic income anymore because if all the jobs are taken by computers except for you know uh meat space jobs as they call them you know like literally home health aides, you know people who literally have to to lay hands on human bodies if all the other jobs are taken up by ai yep. um you know maybe ubi is not something to laugh at maybe it's something to consider
2: Absolutely. And I think that he was on the right path. I just, you know, who is going to be able to survive on a thousand dollars a month, which I think is what, uh, and I actually, he was on another station that I was running at the time as a guest with one of my other, uh, talk show hosts. And, and, uh, I was there that day and, and he was, I mean, he makes a really compelling argument and we should yeah. try and actually get him on and talk more about that here on the happy hour. Uh, We're here tonight with Blake Oliver. That's me. Yeah, it is you. It's Richie Roy and Johnny Mac with you, and we're going to continue with more of the show in just a moment, welcoming your phone calls at
0: 760-677-0111. The Gay BC Happy Hour continues with or without... Pumpkin Spice, your taste, your show, and your humble hosts, Richie Roy and Johnny Mack.
2: <laughs> Let me tell you, when it comes to Pumpkin Spice, uh, a couple of nights ago, uh, my significant other and our housemate and I went, and we were celebrating a friend who is no longer with us, his birthday, and we went to Baskin Robbins, and they had this... Really tasty um, apple pumpkin spice ice cream that is around yeah. for the you know for the season I guess because it's yeah. that time of year and yep. I didn't have it but boy did I want to try it uh, but I heard it was really good because my other half had it
1: yeah I um I heard an ad on the radio today that made me very desirous um, Wendy's. Has uh, a frosty, and I I'm a big fan of the Wendy's frosty. Um, but they are having a seasonal pumpkin spice Wendy's frosty, oh. and that really hit a chord with me. I, I, I desperately want to try this.
2: Yeah. So you're gonna go have yourself a square burger and and uh, frosty.
1: A square burger and a pumpkin spice frosty, exactly. Oh. So Blake, uh, what do you think about all this that we're talking
2: about?
3: Would you,
2: <laughs> would you get a little closer to your mic? Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, where would you like me to begin?
2: Well, just well, go off. Of all,
3: go off, sis. <laughs> I'm. I'm kind of sad because it doesn't feel fall over here. You know, everything is still kind of summery. Sure. I mean, everything is dead, but just like me. Um, but. Yeah, it doesn't really feel like we're like pumpkin spicy. I miss you know like the red, orange, yellow leaves.
2: Right, I think he's trying to take but, the easy way out, but I think no. we were trying to come at yeah. you with our bigger, broader <laughs> topic because you know yeah. one of the things that's cool about this program and that we welcome different people in is um, guest co-hosts with us, and and we of course invite everybody to call in at 760-677-0111 is that the three of us are in three different generation groups. Yep. And and so we each have a very different uh, worldview from the standpoint of what we've grown up with and what we have grown into and gone through. So as the youngest member of this team this evening, uh, Blake uh, has... He is college-educated, he has a degree, he has worked in a couple of different fields professionally, and, um, and he does have very marketable skills, but he's also, right now, trying to find new work because he's just moved to a new town, and, um, and he is, uh, at the moment, living with family members. So, um, because he needs to get on, you know, on his feet to start this new opportunity in this new place. So, you're kind of, I think, in that core demographic right now of being a 20-something who is dealing with the fact that you have a college degree, you know, you've got basically the ticket to succeed supposedly, and you're dealing with, you know, all sorts of different financial issues and having to, you know, find a new home and things like that. So talk about that from your standpoint and how, do you feel like you're in the ditch? Do you feel like you're out of the ditch? You you know, what would help you to get to your next step to enjoy life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness?
3: You know, as you guys are talking about that, they ran a lot of thoughts through my head. I think... It um, made me think about, like, how my generation kind of has to hope that we'll have people there for us, kind of like, you know, people people my age are you know, usually most of them are married with kids, you know, having grandma home to take care of the kids, you know, because they can't afford a babysitter. Um, and, you know, post-COVID, it was just, you know, I was like, you know, I can't find a job, so... What did I do? I, you know, applied everywhere, and um, <clears throat> first time that I got a uh, a call from somebody telling me I was overqualified. <laughs> so I asked her if, like, <laughs> I asked her if I was like, okay, maybe she's gonna tell me there's another position that's open. And she wasted like 20 minutes of my time telling me that I didn't get the position. And I was like, oh, this could have been an email. But yeah, I guess, I guess that whole, um, you know, how our I guess, well, I'm I'm a first-generation, you know, so I would say, like, I'd say my grandparents, you know, worked two, three jobs, worked really hard, so, and you know, you we kind of want them to see us succeed, but I feel like there's just so many people in my pool.
2: You like, know what else is just, interesting is just today I saw an interview on one of the news television networks that a reporter did with a group of high school seniors this year. And these kids were all smart kids, uh, probably quite capable of being able to get um, scholarships and such. And they asked them about, because of the cost of going to college these days, what they were going to be doing, and were they going to be... Able to go after the things that they, you know, dream of doing, or were they having to plan their education and their careers around things that might best, you know, get them into a job that they can pay back the student loans for uh, and, you know, be able to make enough for that, even if it's something that they're not going to enjoy doing? And it was heartbreaking to hear how many students said, that they probably were not going to be able to follow their dreams because of the cost of what the education might cost for that in terms of, you know, the down the road and whether or not they can find the work and whether or not that work will pay and all that. And I just thought, you know, wow, you know, that's, that is just very heartbreaking.
3: Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Um, you know, it's sad to see that, you know, our older generation work so hard and then here we go and we're not doing what they expected us to do
2: well what they were what they were hoping for us yeah yeah we're going to continue with more of the happy hour the gbc happy hour with tonight's special guest co-host blake oliver and richie roy is my co-host i'm johnny mac and we are going to talk with our former co-host and now correspondent down in texas uh chick maxson is going to join us and we are going to get into some cock flavored potato chips so stay with us
1: i'm (laughs) scared i'm scared
0: (laughs) the gay bc radio network presents the weekly public service the GayBC happy hour seal of approval does it fly or does it die products services and customer service that will turn you on or turn you off does the cup runneth over or has the well gone dry richie and johnny take it away <laughs> welcome back uh,
1: so do we have we do we have a good friend chick on we do chick how are you yes
2: yeah. Hi, how are y'all? Good. Hi. It's been a while. Hey, it has. (laughs) So So. you are the person who actually started this whole ball rolling (laughs) down the hill. Um, (laughs) Because you had this idea that we would do a feature at some point that would be focused on these potato chips that you came across. And I want to know, first of all, how did this make its way onto your... Um plate,
4: so a few months ago, actually probably about early, well earlier this year on a radio station that I listened to, they had a segment where they were talking about these uh, they were well they were pussy flavored chips uh-huh and they they ordered some and they And it it took a while for them to get them because it's from a Lithuanian company. And you can order, you can pretty much only order them like third party. And they tried them. And a couple, a few months ago, the same company came out with uh, dick flavored chips. And I thought that that would be a good thing for us to try on the show.
2: So before we do that, what. What were the the radio hosts who you heard originally do this thing with the pussy chips? Um, And my apologies to anybody who may be offended by that. (laughs) Like Richie, I'm looking at him on video right now. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to actually ask our other guest uh, host this evening. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Blake to um, do kind of the color play-by-play here on the look on our faces as we experience this. But what did they say, Chick, when you heard this originally on the radio? Um, how was their reaction when they first bit into a pussy chip? Um, so they said that they were salty
4: and almost like a, almost kind of like a salt and vinegar chip.
2: Okay. Not like tuna or anything.
4: No, 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 no.
2: <laughs> okay. So let's talk about the packaging first, because that's the first thing you really notice. And I think that for the price, what do we all pay for these things, like 20 or 30 bucks with the shipping? Yeah. Yeah. So and, okay. I think yeah, go ahead, Chick. I'm sorry.
4: No, yeah, I think I paid twenty six dollars, but of course they're coming from Europe, and they're coming. I mean, so I mean, it took three weeks for them to get here. Yeah, uh,
2: they literally traveled but, on the slow boat from China,
4: and
1: and the packaging is <laughs> is pretty substantial. It's yeah. it's a luxury
2: product. Yeah, it's it's comes in this big black box that has. Some fun artwork on it, and also has the nutritional information in about a forty-seven different <laughs> well, languages. Is that, a pun? <laughs> that it comes, yeah. And then you open the box up, and in green tissue paper, it's wrapped, and there's a postcard in in the box, and the postcard has um, it says kettle chips chaz, and it's got this. Uh, kind of Tarzan-looking dude with a big potato chip in his hand and a fig leaf over his hoo-ha. And uh, on the back it says, Do you know, back to the roots, 10% of all all people dreams are related to sex. Woman dreams involve famous people. Men's dreams involve having sex with several partners at the same time. Live interaction will always be the most important thing between people. Stop dreaming and start making love. Chaz. I don't know, do your do the cards and yours say the same thing, or were there different yeah. cards? Okay.
4: Yeah, so, they say the same, and the, the same guy who's on the bag of chips is on the back of the, the postcard. Yeah. Uh-huh.
2: And, and the chips themselves, I'm looking to see here, I don't think it states with the actual weight of the packages, but it's, uh, like I said when we were talking amongst ourselves the other night, the bag is approximately uh it's between the size of one of those little tiny uh lunch packet ones where you get like an individual serving and a regular bag of potato chips yeah not like a huge jumbo bag but a regular size bag of potato chips yeah so yeah
4: so on the very bottom it says net weight 90
2: grams oh it does say that okay okay
4: yeah. Oh so, yeah. It's in 90 grams. So yeah, have, yeah, yeah.
2: have have you guys opened these yet and tasted them? I've not. I, Neither. I've opened them. I have opened them, but I have not even
4: smelled them yet or tasted them.
2: So. Well, let's open them now. Okay. Now, I will say, oh, the smell is something between like stale. Cardboard and maybe like a vinegar chip.
1: Yeah, it just smells like a chip to me. Yeah. Like I was actually, to me it I, like- I was actually quite worried because I have a very uh, like a notoriously sensitive uh, constitution, and sometimes a smell will make me start to throw up. And I was worried that I would open the bag and start to have an issue, but it just smells kind of like chips. So I'm, gonna taste it, one. It I'm tasting like
2: my it. first few ones, and I don't know. I haven't it sucked a like dick it, uh, in a while, so
3: not, none of you are making the nasty face, so. What is it
2: given? It has a little bit of an off taste, but yeah, it's kind of a vinegary. You know, you know what it tastes like. It tastes like
1: it tastes actually kind of like if you a whisper of barbecue chip, but not strongly of barbecue. Like, like it tastes like if you waved some chips near barbecue chips.
4: The smell for it's me and the
1: taste
4: the barbecue. For, <laughs> Wait, what did you say,
2: like chick? The smell
3: and I said, "Is it a look? The smell and taste like LaCroix, for me, you know, me. like just barely." Hold on, hold on there, bike,
2: yeah. bike. Hold on, chick. Say that again. The smell and the taste. What?
4: It, it reminds me of like instant ramen, kind of.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of what? Yeah. Wait. Like
4: Richie, instant ramen, like.
1: Yeah, because the thing is, I got that. It tastes like actually if you eat – because like, I don't know if anyone has ever done this. Um, if you open a pack of instant ramen and you just chew a piece off of the dry noodles, because what it has is it has that kind of like – the the taste of the fat, like the kind of room temperature fat on a ramen noodle. Yeah, yeah i
2: get that i get that what i want to do is i want to hook up with a dude and i want to have the bag and i want to say i want you to i want you to have a couple of these and your dick better taste like this (laughs) (laughs) they're not here's the deal they're not unpleasant but they're definitely not worth 26 dollars. no
4: no they're they're they are a little bit they are they're bland
2: I mean yeah, but they're salty.
1: I mean I guess I guess what we're learning is that as far as the Chaz company is concerned, a dick should be pretty clean. It shouldn't taste like much
2: right.
3: Why don't you flip that bag on over and see what that last ingredient is? hmm and then let your mind run wild. Natural flavoring. Oh. <laughs> yep.
1: Whatever that means. My, I was worried. I was actually worried. These are actually pretty tasty. I'm. I'm gonna finish these. I mean, I might like. I'm trying to figure out what I might do with them because I. I don't. I'm. I can't eat a whole bag of chips myself. But. Maybe. I don't know. Figure something out to do with them. They're pretty good, actually. They're pretty tasty. Um, They just taste like a potato chip. Like, (laughs) I was expecting something really, like, funky. Like, kind of, like, raunchy and funky. They're just kind of like a nice Uh, potato chip.
4: And it says that they're kettle chips, but they're actually, they're kind of softer than, I guess, our typical uh, kettle chips here.
1: They are. They're more like a a Frito-Lay, like a Lay's chip.
2: Yeah. I mean, they do kind of look like kettle chip style but they're not as hard crunch. Yeah. Of course maybe it lost the crunch in the uh, trip overseas. So yeah. I'm
1: actually I'm going to give these a, I'm going to give these a good grade. I like these chips. They're they're not so novelty that like they're disgusting. I'm I'm I like it.
2: It's Okay. Cute. On a scale of 1 to 10 spuds. How many? Mm,
4: 6.5 spuds.
2: Okay. How about for you, uh, Chick?
4: Um, I'm probably going to go with a four and a half. Oh, okay. I like them a little bit salt. I would prefer them to be a little bit saltier.
2: <laughs>
4: mm. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: What with about you? you, Johnny? I'll
2: go with you, Richie, at like six and a half.
1: This is very fun. Um, I love a taste test. Um, and I love the fact that it wasn't gross. Um, I was expecting it to be truly gnarly.
2: You know what I'd like to really watch? What? I'd like to watch a bunch of street guys have to do this. And it'd be like watching one of those videos on Instagram where, you know, you get the guy, the man on the street thing, and the guy goes up and he tells two straight guys, um, he'll give them, you know, 50 bucks cash if they kiss each other. And they're like, how long, you know, and then they barely touch their lips together for five seconds and, you know, and as though that it's going to be the worst thing in the world. And it wouldn't be like, you know, kissing a chick anyway. I mean, other than the fact that it's better. Um, Oh, because the thing is, you're right. Like, if if this were, like,
1: at a frat house and they were like, I dare you to eat this dick-flavored chip, they would eat it and they would be so grossed out. They would – psychosomatically, this chip would taste so bad to them. Right.
3: I wish this chip kind of came in, like, the the individual packs that come in that, like, variety pack, you know, that you were talking about earlier. Because, like, if you told somebody to go eat a bag of dicks, you could just – throw it at them. Actually, that would be a great marketing
2: <laughs> campaign. Well, yeah. I think that's that's
3: where the marketing team should be right
2: now. Yeah. yeah. Go eat a bag of dicks. We exactly. used to do that in Seattle because there's a very famous um, hamburger uh, place, uh, drive-in uh, place, that they have a few of these outlets called dicks, and their sign says 100% all beef dicks. And, oh my God! Um,
3: we have a Dix in Chicago.
2: Yeah, and 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 so when somebody used to tell people, you know, go eat a bag of dicks, we go get like you know hamburgers and from Dix and hand it to them. I love that. Well, Chick, this is a good find on your part. So thank you for doing that. We'll have to we'll have to come up with another and um, and do this again soon.
4: Okay.
1: Yeah, that
2: would be great. Just no kimchi, okay?
1: What? Oh my God, kimchi what? is so good. What are oh. you talking about?
0: Uh,
2: <laughs> I knew that that was gonna get a reaction. <laughs> okay.
3: Would you guys? Would you guys do it if I pick something and none of you knew what it was and you just?
1: <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's do it. No gooey duck either. Oh, you know. Speaking speaking of which, I actually saw a video uh, the other day of someone making gooey duck on Facebook. No way! And they loved it. Oh, they thought it was delicious. They're retarded. Johnny Mac, come on!
2: <laughs>
3: That's not nice.
2: Are we really gonna come on? No, I apologize to people. Who are dealing with mental retardation? That was not nice for me to say, um, because gooey duck is way beneath people who have um, mental disabilities. I grew up. <laughs> I grew up in the Pacific Northwest. It is the grossest thing you've ever seen. It's like having a horse dick hanging out of a oversized no, clam shell.
3: Just, no.
2: Jake, oh <laughs> thanks for being with us. Good to talk to you. All right. Have, thank you for having me. Have a good night.
1: <laughs> Talk to you later, Jay. <laughs> well, <laughs> and we'll come back. We with, are going to uh, come back. the happy hour. <laughs> and uh, we'll get into some mixology.
2: That we will. Ooh, so um, get ready. Get set. It's going to be red. Very red. So if you like to wear red um, or do think I don't know, if you have a monthly flow, You'll love this drink.
1: Johnny Mac.
0: Homo mixologist Richie Roy and his ice cube handler Johnny Mac present the latest lessons from the Gay B.C. Happy Hour School of Mixology. As they say at Gay B.C., Bottoms Up.
1: Welcome back! And um, for uh, for those of you who don't know, um, while we were on the break, uh, I called and increased our professional liability insurance. Uh, (laughs) um, But uh, anyway, who you were on the line with? I'm just joking. Um, But yes, so mixology time. Um, This this week, I was actually I was cleaning out the fridge and um, I came across a bottle of pomegranate molasses, and I had forgotten about it. And pomegranate molasses, for those of you who don't know, is a delicious kind of sweet and tart and funky uh, ingredient that's used in some Middle Eastern uh, dishes, uh, savory dishes. Um, and it's really it's really quite nice. Um, It's, you know, basically boiled down pomegranate juice. Um, And I got to thinking, well, what can I do with this pomegranate molasses? And so I tried it just actually as a seltzer. I just, you know, used uh, sparkling water and pomegranate molasses, and it's delicious. It's tangy, it's sweet, it's funky, it's delightful. And so I was thinking for this week... Um, for the non-alcoholic drink is a pomegranate uh, molasses seltzer or spritz, which is just pomegranate molasses and sparkling water. You can actually, if you want to, you could throw a little squeeze of lime in there to add a little bit of an additional note. But um, it's really quite tasty. And then uh, for the boozy version, it made me think that it's kind of... It lends itself to something like an old fashioned, I think, because an old fashioned is usually you know a whiskey like a bourbon with a, a sugar cube in the bottom and then like an orange peel, um, and a splash of bitters. And I thought that the sugar cube can be replaced with the pom- with the pomegranate molasses, which serves as the sort of sweet element, but it has an additional note. So I think basically you you just do kind of like you know a little bit of pomegranate molasses some bourbon um a piece of orange peel a splash of bitters and swirl around with some ice and i think you've got a pomegranate old fashioned i think that's kind of going to be a fun kind of fall drink cuz pomegranate is you know it's not i like pomegranate yeah i think it's i think it's kind of i think it's going to be a fun drink to have so um,
2: I don't like molasses, but I like pomegranate.
1: Well, so it's not, mo- it doesn't taste like molasses at all. It's okay. called pomegranate molasses because it's cooked down pomegranate juice. So it Where has. Where can you
2: get that? I mean, I've never seen it on store shelves. That doesn't mean it's not there because I wasn't looking for it. But uh, is it like something you have to get through a specialty store or order online?
1: It's generally going to be in a specialty store or online. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But. Once you have it, it's really it, you can use it in a lot of different places. It's kind of like think of how you would use um like a good balsamic vinegar, you know, like something that's kind of sweet and tangy. Um and you can use it like it's in, in a lot of kind of middle, middle Eastern type dishes, but you can use it in other places. Um
2: Well Blake is anyway. Middle Eastern. Have you have, have you had dishes with it?
3: With what, molasses or With
2: pomegranate? Molasses. Pomegranate molasses. Not
3: not pomegranate molasses, but molasses. Well, I don't know what it was. It was. I just know every Sunday in the cafeteria at church, it was this thing, brown thing, sitting in the in a plate, and I was like, well, "What is that?"
4: <laughs> Turn it upside down, and it
3: does not move. Somebody said it's molasses, and I was like, "I don't know what that means," but it has ass in it, and that's exactly what it looks like. It came out of, and we just, just <laughs> left it at that.
1: <laughs> well, oh my. You know, mol- molasses, you know, I will say, I will I'm going to be on team molasses here for a moment because molasses is used in certain dishes. But if you have molasses around, which it keeps forever, you always have brown sugar ready to go. Because what you can do is you can mix white sugar and molasses and molasses and you stir them around enough, and you create brown sugar. Because if, you, if you've ever had a box of brown sugar around, um, you buy it for one recipe, and then you have it in your cabinet, and the next time you go to use it, it's seized up, and it's basically a brick, and it's useless. <laughs> um, it, if you have molasses around, all you have to do is just mix it up with some white sugar, which you
2: have around,
1: and you have really fresh moist delicious brown sugar anytime you want so
2: and if you use molasses molasses with pomegranate you could have some interesting tasty chocolate chip cookies
1: you could yeah i mean it, it it's a great it's a really great ingredient and you know i i'm kind of like on a little bit of an ingredient kick right now like i i've i've been harassing everyone i know about black garlic which i think is genius um And I just made some. uh,
2: Yeah, tell us about your dinner tonight, because I talked to you when you're in the midst of prepping it, and it sounded very interesting.
3: I'm a whore for garlic. What is this?
1: Oh yeah, black garlic. So so black garlic is is an East Asian thing, and it's basically they kind of like dry slash ferment garlic, and so when you buy it, like in a little. You can buy it online. I bought mine on Amazon, and it's like in a little, you know, canister, and it looks like a little clove of garlic with the with the paper, you know, with the paper uh, husk. Mm-hmm. And you peel it open, and inside of that is this little ball, this little black gelatinous ball, which is for sort of dried fermented garlic. It's sweet, it's funky, it's umami-ish, it's tangy. And it has none of the kind of like intense spiciness of raw garlic. And I threw that in with some beans, and it tasted like the most flavorful, intense symphony of all kinds of flavors. Um And so I'm all about that. Um, but uh, that kind of goes, you know with with the kind of pomegranate molasses. Black garlic. Today I made a um I made a shakshuka, um, which is like a kind of uh Middle Eastern Israeli usually a breakfast dish, but I had it for dinner, which was which is um you saute some onions and some red peppers, um, and then you throw in a little garlic, you throw in some um some uh crushed red. Uh, like a, a can of crushed tomatoes Some harissa Some rose harissa Which is That was the ingredient That sort of was my Little You know Fun ingredient Which is spicy And funky um, And you Stir it all around And then you make Little wells And you break eggs Into it And then you basically Poach eggs In this tomato sauce And it's Super delicious I had that for dinner I'm gonna have it again For breakfast tomorrow Cause I made a ton Yeah
3: um, I realize it didn't answer your question, but yeah, but, um, um, that Sunday breakfast at church, yes, it, it's, it's a breakfast um, molasses that we eat it, or that they eat it, I don't know, I don't know, mm. that's it, um, and then um, I think my entire generation, whoever was listening to this show, we just, I just thought about that pomegranate meme in the back of my mind, so I went <laughs> off on my own little world.
1: You were, you were, yeah. And then, yes. and then I know that that before we, because I know we're we're coming towards the close of the show, which I can't believe is already happening. Before we do that, um, Blake, I believe that you that you want to uh, strike out against the um, the Starbucks chais of the world. Yes.
3: And I was I was literally thinking about that. Um, I did not get the name of the spice. But it is insulting to see that, you know that that drink, I don't even know what I would call it, be labeled as chai. Because I kind of feel like it it kinda will deter people away from trying what real chai is, you know, Middle Eastern. Mm -hmm. Because they don't taste this like they don't have they don't share any, you know, similarities. So if you've had Starbucks chai, long story short, and you hate it don't equate it to middle eastern chai no Give it a, there's, there you
1: go. there's no there's no comparison no because there isn't because the thing know? is with with the real chai it's cardamom it's star anise it's it's black pepper it's you know it's all of these kind of like real spices and it's it's deep and rich and it's not like the 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 real the the company that started off Really, making this disaster was Oregon chai. There's a company called Oregon Chai that made oh. these boxed chais that mm-hmm. are sweet and cloying and stupid, and you know they they there's like you know basically they wave like some cloves over a bunch of sugar milk, and that's their chai.
3: That's what but, I I feel like. Yeah, I feel like. Oh, sorry to make you off well. No, go ahead. I was just gonna say it feels like some people threw some spices together and wanted to market it and they were like, Well, where should we say we got this from? They were like, the Arabs <laughs> we
2: <decided> that. <laughs> well, on that note, we have to we have to skedaddle. But we'll be back we next week with Thanks another edition. Me. Thank you for joining us uh, tonight, Blake. Blake Oliver is our special guest co host and we're gonna have some other guests hosts coming in with us next week we are not going to be live live but we will put a new show up at the time we generally go live um we're pre-recording because yours truly has to actually travel over to that uh, other country that uh that blake lives in arizona and uh <laughs> and richie i'll see you soon all right have a great week everyone